0: I'm Mark Henick. This is so-called normal. Hey folks, welcome to So-Called Normal. I'm Mark Hennick. Today on the show we have Kalen Allen. Kalen is a, a member of the talent at the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, you probably know him if you've ever watched that show and have seen his spots on there uh, from his absolutely hilarious reaction videos to recipes. If you haven't seen them yet, look them up. Uh, I've been watching them nonstop. stop uh, He's the host of O.M. Kalen uh, and Satterkay. Uh, you can find him at The Kalen Alan uh, just about everywhere Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, uh, everywhere else. So I really enjoyed my conversation with him about life as an influencer, how his life completely changed following the uh, bowl of Seven Up salad. Uh, if you look him up, or if you listen to the when you listen to the interview, you'll understand more, and how he just up and had to move then to to Los Angeles and. Uh, work with Ellen DeGeneres. So I really enjoyed my conversation with him. Uh, We recorded it remotely from his place in Los Angeles. Uh, So here's my conversation with Kalen Allen on So-Called Normal.
1: So my name is Kalen Allen. I am currently a talent correspondent at the Ellen DeGeneres show, but that all started by me making food reaction videos on social media that went viral, and I did my first video on November 15, 2017, and then that first video went viral, and then the videos that I made after that went viral as well, and then just a couple months later, I was appearing on the Ellen DeGeneres show, to which she offered me a job, and I've been in L.A. ever since.
0: Wow, that's, that's incredible. It's, uh, so where, where were you uh, prior to all this uh, when you posted this first video?
1: So I was attending school at Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
0: And Philadelphia, I was in
1: okay. my first semester, yes, in Philadelphia. And I was in my first semester of my senior year.
0: Okay, and you were studying, I think I saw that you were studying theater at the time?
1: Y- yes, I was studying theater and film.
0: Theater and film. Okay, so you already uh, had an interest uh, in, were were you looking at doing television or uh, stage acting, or what was your interest in theater?
1: I think my interest was both. I think the original plan was that I was going to move to New York, and I I often say this, that the week that I moved to L.A., that week I actually had a graduate school audition at Juilliard that I canceled because I was moving to L.A., so yes, my first passion was to be an actor, and so I wanted to continue my training in acting, and I was going to move to New York. So that was the original plan.
0: Wow! Uh, so you you gave up Juilliard, and then you you went pretty much a week later. It sounds like to, to the Ellen DeGeneres show. I mean, that's that's pretty much skipping, you know, a, a big portion of the the stuff that other people have to go through. Many people don't make it that far at all. That's incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, I think. It was a. It was very much taking a risk, you know, and just sure. putting it all out there and not worrying about what the result was going to be.
0: So, can you tell me a bit more about then who you were at that time in your life? I mean, it wasn't even that long ago, twenty seventeen. Um, mm-hmm. But who were you before you really popped so quickly like that, and then and then jet off to L.A. What what had your been? Mm. Your life been like up to that point?
1: I think before then. That's a good question. I think for me, before all this happened, I was just a a person just trying to figure it all out. And I think I'm still figuring it all, all out, but there's a different sense of stability now that I didn't necessarily have before and security. I will say that after moving to LA, I feel like I was forced to find myself very quickly because I think it's very easy to lose yourself in Hollywood just because you mm. you have a lot of people around you that don't know you but tend to want to tell you that they know the best for you. And so yeah. I think moving to Hollywood really forced me to find a new sense of self.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, how? Uh, easy or not was that in a place like Hollywood where, you know, it seems like, um, there's lots, uh, people are trying to construct different versions of their self or the, the people that, that they want to be seen as. Um, but how easy or hard is it to actually build an authentic version of yourself in a place like that?
1: I think it's, it's not easy at all. I think a lot of time. Is that when you hear horror stories about Hollywood or how people want you to be a certain version of yourself, is that when you enter into Hollywood with that type of mindset, you start Mm -hmm. to try and figure out who everybody wants you to be. And I think what I had to do was that I had to realize and understand what I was willing to sacrifice for the fame or for, you know, the perks of Hollywood. I had to make a decision with myself if I was willing to sacrifice my own happiness for that. And what I came to the conclusion of was that I said that if I am not happy with myself, then I cannot make content that is supposed to make other people happy. If I don't, right. if I start to start to, you know, compromise and try to make other people happy for their own comfortability, but well, then I would never be able to sustain a career.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I read a, a, a wonderful quote that you had uh in one of your interviews. You've done so many, but uh you said something to the effect of I, I am who I am, uh and you get to to be yourself and to share yourself with the world every day, right? That that's yeah. I think that's why you connect so well uh with audiences because you are who you are.
1: Yeah, I don't I never try to play pretend you know i think i'm the type of person that doesn't like anything that is not authentic and i don't really work well in fake and phony kind of environment so i'm very <laughs> serious about always staying true to who i am
0: right uh, and i you know i i uh chuckled a little bit when you said that because i think when people think of fake environments they think of hollywood just just by definition yes, almost do. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell me more about your videos then to go back to that. I mean, they're, I've watched a bunch of them now, and I, I hadn't really before uh, this, but when I started, I couldn't stop. I, ca- I can't get enough of your reactions to, to food in particular. So tell me more about this. Why do you do these things?
1: Um, well, when I first, I did it just by chance. I did it by just having a feeling that I should make this video, about food and then I put up my my phone and did it and then it just happened to blow up. It was never like an intentional thing. But the reason why I think that they work so well and that people love them is because it's a shared experience. I think nowadays people like to have experiences that are immersive. And that aren't just one dimensional. And because usually in the reactions the people are actually joining in on me with whatever I'm saying, because they are thinking the exact same thing that makes it more special, even though it's something that is so simple as a one minute clip of just somebody in their bed talking about food. You know, I think it's uh, it kind of plays into escapism a little bit, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that there's nothing scripted or, or controlled about it. It's just your your immediate reaction in the moment.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So now, what is it about the unusual? I guess that th- that's one of the things that I've been thinking about as I was um, preparing for this conversation. That that there's something in in even if it's classic recipes or or people doing things that you find to be unusual and then reacting to that. What's your attraction to that kind of thing?
1: I think specifically with food, I think food is probably the only thing in the entire world aside from music that everyone shares, you know, that everybody has a common relationship with. So when we have food that we are very, you know, used to eating one type of way, Whether you add a different type of seasoning or something like that, when we see that start to be changed and modified in a way that we've never seen before, it really like really shakes us up, you know, because it's like when you go into a restaurant, usually, you know, you're going to get mac and cheese probably one or three ways. You know, Mm. but when you start adding things that are just absolutely out of the ordinary, then that makes conversation and that makes you want to talk about it and find out, well, why did they do that? You know, it it starts to make you question things and question the way that you do things in life. I think it has a lot to do with how we are scared of change or even how we, um, a lot of people don't like to be uncomfortable. I think when we start to change things that are very stable and secure in our lives, we start to want to have discussions about it. And I think that's why people find those food videos to be so entertaining and why we find it so obscene and obscure.
0: This show is called So-Called Normal, and that's partly based Mm -hmm. on the idea that, you know, I think we're all striving for this ideal version of what normal means, you know, this social media kind mm-hmm. of version that everybody else has this great normal life. Well, it turns out, actually, nobody's normal. There is no one, you know, standard of, of having a life that everybody does it a little bit exactly. differently. Um, so, wow. you know, I, I, can you tell me, and, and I mean this in the best possible way, uh, were you an unusual ch- child in some ways that, that you're uh, attracted to this idea of unusualness?
1: Oh, yes. I think I, would, I am the opposite, even to this day. I'm the opposite of what everyone would expect me to be. You know, I I was never the type of person that fell into, like, peer pressure. Like, I never did anything that all my friends would do if I didn't want to do it. I very much was against the status quo at all times. You know, I never wanted to do anything that made me comfortable and I never wanted to do anything that everybody else was doing. I always wanted to be different. I always wanted to stand out, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that's probably why I have an obsession with doing things that are different than the rest.
0: Yeah. Did that ever make you feel, though, um, isolated or or make it difficult to relate to people if, if you're always being different, especially as a young person?
1: Almost definitely. I think even to this day, I I think even like I have a very small group of friends. I think it affects me in dating. I think it affects me in many different ways of how I just move around the world very differently and look at the world very differently than most people do. You know, I don't get very upset at things. I'm very unbothered because I'm always like, well, who cares? You know, things that most people get upset about. I'm like, oh, well, I can't change it. You know, I'm a very resilient person. I just have a very Mm -hmm. different type of outlook on life.
0: How do you think you, you learned that, or is it just the way you've always been?
1: I think it has a lot to do with that. I move around a lot, of, around the world based on how I feel. And I always right. say, if if something doesn't make my spirit shine or doesn't make me feel good, then I don't participate in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's how I operate within life. So I think it's based on just on how I feel. If something makes me feel sad or makes me get into a state of depression or just, you know, unhappiness, then I have no desire to be a part of it.
0: Right. And is that, uh, are, are those things that you've felt before? Is is that how you know that you don't want to spend time there because you've, you've felt it before or, or where did that come from?
1: I think that comes from growing up and being told that what made me different was, 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 was what was going to keep me from having like a successful career or being oh. able to have friends or to be, you know, budding in this world. Like, and I feel as though it was because of that adversity and what people would tell me that I couldn't do because of who I was that I fought mm-hmm. against that to make sure that everything did that I wanted did come true despite who I was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, siblings? No, it's just me. I do have two half-brothers, but I grew up as an only child. Okay, yeah, no, I don't know if there's much science or anything behind birth order stuff, but it seems like, you know, many people, and I think we're all surrounded by the message that we all need to conform and to be, you know, inoffensive and, and don't stand out and all this stuff, but... Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's an only child thing, or I'm I'm the youngest of three, and, and I have a bit of that okay. too, where uh, I feel like you need to you need to stand out, you need to be different, and, and you said this too in, in another one of the articles that you, that you uh, were interviewed for that you need to stand out in order to be successful. You can use your difference, right? Yes. yes. So yes,
1: I always you, tell you, people find what makes you unique.
0: You've done that very successfully. So what would you tell to, um, or what would you say to other people who are feeling different and who feel like they need to hide that difference in order to fit in?
1: You know, I always, I always tell people Find what makes you unique and let that stand out because that is what's going to propel you to what you want in life. Because I believe that whoever you believe in made you the way that you are because that's who you're supposed to be. And also I, I think about like, when other people tell you who, when people try to force their insecurities onto you, you have to think about if you are this way, what do you gain versus what do you lose? You know, and you also have to say, if people have these opinions about you, What does that say about them? You know, because it's like, okay, so if you did do this or if you tried to be just like the person next to you, what has that person achieved that you haven't that you could possibly want out of their life? You know, and if it's nothing, then why would you do that? You know, look at the results of other people that try and force their own opinions onto you. And at the end of the day, when you go to sleep at night, when you wake up in the morning, there's only one person that is looking back at you in that mirror. And that's yourself. And that's the only person you have to be happy with
0: yeah who who t- was or who were your most important role models, do you think, in terms of uh, teaching you that kind of mindset?
1: I would say my most important role model would be my mother. I think yeah. my mother always allowed me to be who I wanted to be. You know, I never felt pressured to have to pretend or try to fit inside a certain moat.
0: Yeah. And how did your mother react when you all of a sudden um, gained such popularity and and moved off to L.A. to do these great things?
1: My mother was very supportive. You know, like I didn't even like my mother never asked me to, like, ask for permission. Like, I remember I just called her. I said, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And she (laughs) understood that because she knew that she had given me the tools. Um, that I needed to be successful and to be able, I'm a very independent person, have always been my mother, even though I was the only child, made sure that yeah. I was very independent, that I could take care of myself. So she knew that I was going to enter into the, this Hollywood scene with much discernment and be able to make my own decisions and and move about it, you know, very intelligently.
0: Yeah. What what are the biggest differences that you noticed, you know, going from from being a college student to uh, heading off to L.A. And, and signing a contract with Ellen DeGeneres? You know, that, that's a pretty radical life change.
1: Um, I would say I would say personally for my own life, I haven't felt that much of a difference because a lot of times I just tell people that to me it's just a job and that's the way that mm-hmm. I treat it as a job. Um, I think. One thing that I've noticed is that I've become more, I I would probably say isolated with myself. You know, I I tend to be more of a homebody now. I prefer to be at home when I'm not working just because I think when I'm working, I have to be so on, you know, or when I'm out in public, if I meet fans and stuff like that, then I have to be on as well. So I think I like to conserve my energy a lot more. So I like to be at home with my own type of, you know, Silence, and, you know, in my own bubble. So I think that's probably Mm. the biggest difference that I've noticed.
0: So as a a performer, then I I suppose, even if it is an authentic performance, um, it's, there's still a performance element to it. Um, how do you, how do you bring your whole self when you have to be on like that? You know, you're not just doing videos in your bed anymore, or or maybe you are, but you know, to go to the stage Uh and, and to need to be on, how do you do that?
1: Um, I, I, very much have to prepare myself. I, like, if you've ever seen me, like if you have ever worked with me and before the cameras roll, usually I'm very quiet and I'm very to mm. myself and I'm just getting ready. And then as soon as the cameras turn on, I'm just always ready to just jump into it, mainly because I come from a theater background. And I think I always believe that the show must go on. So when the cameras right. come on, I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, I I have a job to do. I have people to entertain. I have people to uh, make happy and make them laugh. And I think that's of the utmost uh, importance to me. It's to always do a good job. I always say, people can say whatever they want to say about me, but what you will always be able to say about Cable is that he got the job done.
0: Yeah. Have you ever showed up uh, to work or, or to do, you know, something that, Uh, that is designed to make people laugh and to bring people joy as you're so good at doing. But have you ever showed up and just really not been feeling it or been in a bad place or there's something else going on and you had to flick it on anyway?
1: Oh, absolutely. All the time. I mean, that's very normal for me. There are some days where I'm just not feeling it, you know? And I just have to, usually I'll do like, I'll meditate and I'll calm Mm -hmm. my nerves so that I can get into a place where I can still perform. And then once I do that, then I probably, like, find a different way to go home and just relax and just chill out and breathe, you know. But I, I definitely would say that happens.
0: Yeah. Now, you've heard, um, I'm sure, like anybody who's in the public eye, uh, you expose yourself in, in, in and yeah. what you're feeling. And if you're being vulnerable, uh, if you're being authentic, then you're exposing your real self. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that people don't do that uh, as often as they should is because if people criticize uh, the product you create, they're criticizing the real you. they're not criticizing a character, right? Um, so how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the feedback of people uh, commenting on your work, both positive and negative?
1: So I no longer read the comments anymore.
0: Hmm.
1: I did to I did at the beginning, And it it really started to get to me, mainly because I couldn't understand why people would be so angry over some food videos when it doesn't affect (laughs) anybody. You know, I was just like, it literally does not affect anyone in their livelihoods. I'm not like taking money from people. Like, and it's not even making fun of people. You know, it's making fun of the creation, you know, and and what that is, you know. But I just couldn't understand that. And it really started to make my heart just feel very dark. And as I said before, I don't do anything that doesn't make me feel good. So I stopped reading the comments and only started to focus on just making good content and releasing it. And if people didn't like it or whatever, that was their problem. As long as I was proud of the work that I was creating, then I was satisfied. I was content with that. So I really had to separate my personal self from the art.
0: That's a refreshingly healthy approach because I think so many people um, just get they can't break away from the comments in that way right they they live off of the uh, feedback of others but that's not always so healthy
1: no it is not
0: so what have you learned since moving to Hollywood I mean you've been there now for two two and a half years or so Um, I'm sure it it must have been a a steep learning curve for you there
1: yeah um, I think I've learned that you can't say yes to everything. I think Mm -hmm. I've learned that sometimes you just need to take care of yourself you and do self-care and sometimes you just need to take a break and that's healthy. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I think I've learned different ways of the business. I think I've learned to figure out what I want in my life, you know, what things bring joy to me that isn't necessarily being creative or I think I've known when I need to just step away. And when I need to breathe, I think I've learned more about myself and who I am and what I'm willing and not willing to do. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think this has been just an ultimate learning curve and just a, a big period of growth for me.
0: Yeah. And you've also had the opportunity to work with, um, you know, many different people, celebrities and and power players in the industry and all kinds of people yeah. um, who have been the ones that have really stood out for you or have really impacted your your favorite people that you've you talked to. I'm sure they're all great, but who's the ones that really stood out for you?
1: I think my favorites are definitely, you know, Ellen, Michelle Obama and Oprah. I think because yeah. those are yeah. well, that's a pretty that's most- a pretty good list. <laughs> Indeed. And I think it's because those are the three most famous people in the world, you know? And I think I use them as mentors and I watch them and I see how they move around, like backstage and with other people and how they communicate and how they operate. And it's just like, I I can figure out how I want to move around the world based off of them, you know, especially because I think they are some of the nicest people that I've ever met and some of the most grounded people. And I think a lot of times there have been times when I met people that weren't so nice, then usually those are the people Mm -hmm. that aren't as famous, you know. And so it's me learning that because you have some type of clout or this public figure labeled, you know, slap to your name doesn't mean that you have to act or be a certain way, you know. And I think mm. it's the people that have the security within themselves and who they are that are usually the nicest. And I think those three women are some of the most secure people that I've ever met.
0: So would you say then that they're who you see is, is who they actually are?
1: Oh, absolutely. I when people ask me all the time about, you know, who is Ellen, you know, in real life, I say exactly who you see on TV. That's the exact nice. same person. I think that's why I, another reason why I strive to be as authentic as, per, as possible is because I think Ellen is so authentic. It's like she gives it to you who she is, and she doesn't try to compromise and change who she is, you know, for anybody else's pleasure.
0: Right. So what is it about uh, fame? You know, people like Ellen or Michelle Obama or yourself, uh, what is it about fame that's, that's useful or powerful? Uh, why, do you, why are you attracted to the idea of fame?
1: I think it, it has a lot to do, for me, it's about representation and visibility. There aren't a lot of people that look like me that have the platform that I have. You know, and with that, I think when you have people that have these huge platforms, you are able to be able to influence a lot of people because they trust you. And the whole entire world works off of trust. You know, there are like certain brands that you know that you'll buy from because you trust that the quality and what they're saying is true, you know? And so Mm. I think that's why it's so important for people that have fame to take that responsibility serious and and realize the things that you have that you can change and impact with your voice because people know who you are.
0: Mm. Do you find the platform can be heavy sometimes being a representative of of one or, or more communities? That's a lot of responsibility.
1: It is a lot of responsibility and I think there's a lot of juggling the intersectionality of it all. But I think at the end of the day, you have to realize you have to think about what is it worth, you know, and and why that Mm. fight is so important to continue. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you can do more good than bad, you know, and I think Mm. everything's not going to be easy. And of course, you're going to have your own struggles and your own hurdles and you're going to have people that don't agree with you all the time. But you have to think what is the price of that and how is it worth it? You know, and I think most of the mm-hmm. times when you are dealing with dis- disenfranchised communities and, you know, people that are oppressed, you understand that it is always worth the the, stri- the struggle and the sacrifices.
0: Yeah. You said in, a, in one of your Instagram posts that f- for you, fame wasn't about the money or the appearance or anything like that, but that you want to inspire and uh, people and motivate, change lives. Uh, you know, how do, how do you think having that kind of platform uh, can do that? How can it change people's lives?
1: I think it can change lives, because if you just look at it, me being only 23, you know, and what I've been able to do, especially with someone, because usually, especially in this new age of social media, it's like, people get viral, and then that's all they care about is just making content and content and content, and then, you know, they just want the fame, they just want the perks, they just want to go to the party. That's not mm-hmm. how I move about the life. It's like, so I've taken these viral videos, and I've built a career out of it. I think that is a teaching moment for any young creator of anybody that says, Just because, for instance, also is that I think a lot of people don't take um, people that are creative or YouTubers seriously, and Mm -hmm. I think it is proof that no matter how you make it in this world, you can always take that and create something that is bigger and better, you know, and it all depends on the work that you do.
0: Yeah. Now we've seen, you know, influencers and, and uh, YouTubers, YouTube stars in particular like yourself. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a relatively new phenomenon, right? It, it hasn't been around all that long. Um, and some people have misused uh, that platform and I and I think in some ways have done some harm. I'm, I'm thinking of one guy in particular who shot a video uh, of somebody who had died by suicide. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a, something that is not only, it's not only in poor taste, but actually can be quite harmful mm-hmm. uh, for other people yeah. impacted by by that. So, you know, how do you, do you go by instinct in terms of what you think, in terms of being yourself, um, what will help people and inspire people and motivate people, or do you have a way of thinking, you know, maybe this isn't the right time for this or the right way to say this, I guess? How do you edit yourself in that respect, or do you?
1: Um, I think it's you have to be very smart, and you also have to remove yourself. And you have mm-hmm. to realize that, okay, you may feel this way about this opinion, you may think this way about this, but you have to sit back and think, how will other people, you know, receive it? What do they think about it? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you have to keep in mind is that every, everybody's not you. Everybody doesn't think like you. You know, And I think there's a responsibility with that in, in the content that you make. I think I do move off my instincts, but I, I think timing is also important. You have to look at what's in the news. You have to look at what, what are people thinking about. And you also have to think about what are the consequences. I think I've, I've moved around life. I think my mother always said before you do anything, always think about what are the consequences. You know, and I think when you have a platform, you have to realize that you have an outreach that not many people can have. You know, there's a lot of people that can go on social media and state their opinions and nobody see it but a couple of people. That's not you, you know? And just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that it is the socially acceptable or the right opinion.
0: Sure, yeah. Now, you've, so you said that um, you don't read the comments, so so you filter out the um, usually toxic garbage anyway. Um, but what about the positive stuff? Do you, does the, do the positive stories of the ways that you have inspired and motivated and, and changed people, uh, does that make its way to you?
1: Um, yes, it does make its way to me, mainly in, per, like, in-person encounters, I would say,
0: yeah.
1: um, I wouldn't say that it necessarily, I think it kind of motivates me to keep going and to keep mm-hmm. doing it, but I wouldn't say that it necessarily is like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, Oh, I'm feeling myself. Cause they like this, that, yet. Yeah. Right. You know, right. um, I think I take it more as I more, more so care about The critical criticism, you know, or what Mm. I could do better and just learning like I'm always like, okay, great. This video had this many views. Now, the next one I do, how can I make that better? You know, I'm just always trying to learn and grow from who I was before, you know, so I don't really get caught up or let even the positive stuff sink into me, you know, but I think that may also have to do with race. You know, I think I feel as though being a, a black man, I have to work twice as hard. So I never really take time to focus on the positive comments because it's like, OK, I have to keep working. I don't really have time to focus on that.
0: Have you encountered um, barriers regarding your race? You know, where do you think you're treated differently that people think you can't be as inspiring or as even as successful because of your race? Have you encountered that?
1: Oh, Absolutely. I would say that all the time. I think when I remember when I first started to food videos, people would be like, oh, he doesn't have any talent. Like, what is he doing? He's just laying in bed, blah, 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 blah. You know, and like, who cares? And then Mm -hmm. I would always be like, well, there's a lot of other people that don't look like me. That don't do that. Basically do the same thing. They just go around vlogging and stuff like that, but you allow them to have that space. You know, you allow Mm -hmm. them to win awards and go to award shows and stuff like that. So what makes me any different? Why do I not deserve the same as they do? You know, Mm -hmm. I think that always plays a factor and I think that's another reason why I had to stop reading the comments because I told people a lot of times I never understood if people didn't like me because they genuinely didn't like me or if they didn't like me because I was black or or if they didn't like me because I was gay or if they didn't like me because all of the above. You know? Right. And so I had to remove myself and just trust that, you know, it is what it is. And I had to also learn, and I think this is very important for anybody that wants to be a creator, is that you have to learn that fans are not irreplaceable. You know? Mm. What one person doesn't like, I promise you there are 10 other people that will like it. And you just yeah. have to trust that you will filter out the bad seeds, and with that, you will get double in people that do like it.
0: Yeah, can you tell me more about being gay in the black community? I think you know I'm I'm uh, not black. Like I mentioned at the top I'm a, a boring white guy, um, so I don't I, I don't really have access to that in the same way. But I've heard that that there's a lot of stigma in the black community around being gay. Has that been your experience?
1: Um, I would say to an extent. I think homophobia is in any community period. I think when you are involved and have a special connection with a specific community, I think it can feel a lot, you know, more increased just because that is your community and that is where you are around all the time. Um, And I I think it's very hard to not be accepted by people that you identify with. So I think it's kind of hard to find your space in the world when you don't feel like you fit in, in that space. You know, mm-hmm. especially when you like you're black, so you don't fit in with like the, the white space and then you're gay. So mm-hmm. you don't feel like you fit in with the black space. You know, I think that happens with any marginalized community, no matter what. So I think. For me, even though there is homophobia within the African-American community, that doesn't that doesn't stop me from also understanding that there are also other spaces where I do that I wouldn't be welcomed in. Either. And I think sure. what I strive to do is to continue to be who I am and to still fight for my own, you know, black gay community, but also mm-hmm. not isolating myself from the communities that don't accept me. Because I think if I start to push away from those communities, that doesn't change the narrative and that doesn't teach anybody that I am who I am is no different from them. You know, I think I have to continue to try to occupy those spaces so that I become the new norm.
0: Yeah, those are the communities that that need it the most. And certainly homophobia is in right. every community, I think. Not not just that one. So, when did, did you always know that you were gay or did was this a coming out process for you over a period of time?
1: Oh no, I I always knew. But I will say that once I came out publicly, I think I was more so coming out to myself because even though I knew I think there were still things and ways that I moved about in the world that would try to, I guess, assimilate myself in, in, into, you know, culture and society as a whole. And I think mm. once I came out, there was a there was a sense of relief because I felt as though everyone already knew. Like, I had just told the world. So there was no reason to hide or try to change myself for, you know, anybody else. So I think it was more so coming out to myself to be like, okay, one, you're comfortable in who you are now. This is your time to find out how how to love yourself unconditionally, you know, without having to worry about the opinions of anybody else or worrying about your safety in the world, you know?
0: Mm, Yeah. How did your mother react or, or your family react when you officially came out? You said they all knew anyway?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean it was never a secret I tell people all the time is that Kaylin was always Kaylin you know I, I was always who I was it was just that the fact that there was no label put on it you know and that was the only difference and so once the label came out everybody was just like okay great wonderful we knew you know <laughs> there was no change I mean I ain't never had no girlfriend so that was kind of common sense you know
0: <laughs> yeah now what, what do you think um you have encountered uh, and I know you don't pay a lot of attention to it but what do you think you've encountered more um, resistance for uh, being an African American, being a black man or being a gay man? Mm, That's
1: a good question.
0: I guess I'm wondering what's more difficult for Americans to and everybody, what's more difficult for them to accept, black people or gay people?
1: I I would probably have to say would probably be black people Honestly, mm. I think it would probably be my blackness that is mm. that makes me stand. I like, for instance, like I I feel as though I can't necessarily speak up about like Black Lives Matter or stuff like that, you know, because I think that is still a concept that people don't understand. I think we live in a state of Pretending and wanting to believe that we are all created equal when that is not true. We weren't created equal from the very beginning, you know, and that still lingers. That just doesn't disappear just because everybody says, oh, you have the same rights as everybody else, but that is the case. I think homosexuality has started to become more accepting within, you know, the world in general, especially in certain cities, you know, like LA is very gay friendly. Do we still have homophobia? Yes, I think, but my blackness is one thing that I can't mask. You know, Mm. you can assume that someone is not gay or if they are gay, but every time I walk into a room, my blackness is the first thing that is prevalent. You know, that is what Mm. you see first. That's something I can't wipe off or mask away. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. And how have you, um, or, or or where did you learn, uh, hmm, I'm trying to phrase this correctly. Uh, In the same way it seems like you did around being gay, how did you learn to have pride in your skin color as well? I
1: don't, I tend to not fret about things that I can't change. Right. And I think, I always, like I said, find what makes you unique and let that stand out. I think my blackness and my gayness combined is what makes me magical,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's what makes me special. I think if I was not those two things, the the food reaction videos wouldn't have worked because I'm black and had a specific connection to cornbread and how it is generally made. Then I wouldn't have been able to have the commentary that I had on. There was Uh cultural significance. And so because of that, that is why I hold on to it, because I know that that makes me different and that's what makes me special.
0: Yeah. And do you find that your audience is primarily of the uh, of people from black and gay communities or is it really intersectional in that respect?
1: I think it's very intersectional. And I think that's what's the best about my community. You know, I talked about food being the one universal thing. I think everybody can relate to it. You know, Mm -hmm. no matter if I'm making a comment that is specifically like only black people get or there's a comment that only gay people get or there's a comment that only white people get, I give Mm -hmm. every single community something that they can relate to. So I think Mm -hmm. it's very intersectional.
0: Yeah. Now, I mean, it it doesn't it doesn't get much um, higher than Ellen, Oprah and Michelle Obama, but who's left Mm -hmm. that you would really like to uh, to connect with to to talk to?
1: Um, I think everybody will probably already know this answer and it's definitely Beyonce. (laughs) Um, And I would say Beyonce. (laughs) I would say Beyonce because Beyonce for me was a mentor, even though she didn't know it. Like I remember being a kid and I would always Be obsessed with like the behind the scenes footage because I just always loved watching Beyonce work. I think she has one of the most incredible work ethics on how she's just go, 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 let's make it happen. You know, I think she very much serves her fans and makes content for them, you know, and for us. And so I think that is what I aspire to have within my own career.
0: Well, so Ellen knows what to get you for your birthday now, right? You know, I wish. <laughs> so what's what's next for you? What, what are you going to continue doing the the food uh, videos and and your other projects on Ellen Tube and elsewhere, or is there anything new on the horizon?
1: I mean that will always be a constant. You know we do that. I, th- I think now that that's not really my main priority or my main focus. I think I do those just uh-huh. because now you know that's part of the job now. I think what I'm interested in is starting to do a little bit of community outreach, you know, working with other LGBT uh plus organizations and definitely focusing on urban communities because I feel like urban communities get uh left out of those conversations, you know, and so I I definitely have interest in that. I think I, I have interest in uh, exercising my acting roots and my musical theater roots and my singing roots, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the stuff that I used to do. I think I found security in that content that I've been doing that I know that I can just continue to do those. So, finding new ways of exploring my passions and desires and finding new fulfillment within my uh, access to what I can do in this new space of Hollywood.
0: Yeah. And I think I read it somewhere that you were working on, and I apologize if this is already out, but something with Seth Rogen.
1: Yes, yeah, so we did. We did a movie that comes out uh, next year. So yes, we did a movie. I believe the title is an American pickle. We didn't have a title for a while, so I believe we have finally solidified a title. But yes, yeah, so I um, that movie will be coming out. I believe in the spring. So I'm very excited about that.
0: Is that your big screen debut, or have you made appearances in other things as well? Oh
1: no, that will be my first time in a movie. Yeah, so That's we're hitting big. the theaters, and I'm very excited. I know I'm very excited about that. That. People around the world will be able to see my face in theaters.
0: That's amazing. So tell me then, Kaylin, where else can people see your face? Where can they uh, find your social accounts and, and all the other stuff?
1: Well, I've made it very easy for everyone. You can find me on literally everything at the Kaylin Allen.
0: Very easy, <laughs> consistent too. I like. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I want to consistency.
0: Yeah, I want to thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I wasn't sure entirely what I was going to get into, but uh, but I really liked it. And I, I think it's an angle, a number of different angles uh, that we haven't really had on the show yet. So I want to thank you. I'm so grateful to you um, for coming on here, but also for the work that you're doing every single day. I think it is important. I think it's, it is motivating, and I think it is actually changing people's lives.
1: Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: That's it. That's my conversation with Kalen Allen from Ellen. Uh, You can find him on Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere else. YouTube, for sure at the Kalen Allen, K-A-L-E-N-A-L-L-E-N. Look up his his recipe reaction videos for sure, but everything else that he's doing, I really enjoyed my, my conversation and the diversity of it with him and, and how we were able to explore his experience from a personal level uh, in making such drastic life changes and, and how he's able to maintain uh, not only his humor, but his, his well-being. So I'm so grateful to Kalen for uh, coming on the show. Uh, if you enjoyed our conversation, head on over to Apple Podcast or everywhere else, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else you listen, and subscribe to the show. Uh, Scroll on down to the bottom, leave us a star rating, leave us some comments there about what you thought, uh, any questions you like, and share on social media. You can tag me as well. I'm at Mark Hennick, that's at M-A-R-K-H-E-N-I-C-K, or you can go to markhenick.com and leave me some feedback there, or catch up on any of the past episodes that we've done as well. Uh, I want to thank everybody who makes the show possible, of course. Uh, Everyone here at Entertainment One, uh, Kimberly and Adrian, and everybody else, the team is always growing and changing. Uh, and my wonderful editor as well Dave uh, for making all this possible Uh, that's it for this week we'll talk to you again next week on So-Called Normal